You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. My name's Dan Johnson. I'm your host, and this is a different type of podcast today. We're going to actually be talking about mushrooms, and as we all know, spring is a great time to find morel mushrooms, but our guest Dan Turner says that uh, there's a lot of other mushrooms in the timber that get overlooked, and that's what today's podcast is about, man. We're going to talk about where to find uh, these different types, how to cook them, and uh, where they live, what conditions are the best to find these mushrooms. And, you know, we also talk about the really popular one, the morels that everybody goes out and looks for. So today's podcast is about mushrooms, and um, I wish it was just a little warmer here in Iowa because my favorite uh, scenario, the best scenario, is when you can turkey hunt, and when the turkey hunt gets slow, you know, it gets kind of calms down, the birds aren't responding, and then you start looking for mushrooms. That's like the best case scenario, but it doesn't seem for me that the that uh, the conditions are going to line up like they have in the past. So I'll be turkey hunting this weekend and looking for mushrooms, oh, if I had to guess, in, a, in about a week. So, um, and the best part is... I get to eat the turkey, and I get to eat the mushrooms, and today's podcast with Dan is going to kind of point me in a new direction uh, with different species to look for, so uh, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast. I know I enjoyed the conversation with Dan, and uh, if you want to find more great content um, about hunting, fishing, gathering, 
all the cool activities that you can do in the state of Iowa, you need to visit iowasportsman.com. There they have online articles, and they even allow you to get the subscription for the magazine uh, on the website as well. And uh, there's tons of great articles in the magazine as well. So, uh, iowasportsman.com, that's where you can find articles and the podcast and where to sign up for the magazine if you haven't already please subscribe to the iowa sportsman podcast you can do that through itunes or wherever you download your uh, podcasts and uh, subscribe follow and then it's easy all you got to do is listen at that point so be sure to follow us on social media facebook there's going to be an instagram uh, page coming very soon so keep an eye out for that and uh, enough talking Let's get into today's podcast about mushrooms. All right, returning guest, Mr. Dan Turner. How you doing, man? Good, sir. You? Oh, I can't complain. And uh, as we talked uh, before we started recording this podcast, we both have plans after we get done recording, and those plans are fishing. So it sounds like we have our priorities straight today. Absolutely. Them poor schmucks that got to work today. Hope you have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, have you done much fishing? I've been out a few times here lately. Um, work and weather seems to have been complicating things, but, uh, um, but yeah, I got out a few times. What are you after? Uh, bass and crappie right now, mostly. So today I'm trying out a new lake and going to see what it does. I've never fished it this early, so we'll just have to see how it does. Yeah, this uh, this late thaw, uh, it just, I think it screwed everything up. Oh, yeah, and then just the spring's just been so wet, and I mean, every every piece of water here is just muddy, 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 and cold, and so it just makes it more difficult, but, uh, yeah. but uh, Absolutely. it'll straighten out. Now, recently, you wrote an article about mushrooms, and yes. that is what we're going to be talking about today, and I'm going to be honest with you, I love turkey hunting right and i love shed hunting in the spring but one thing that really gets me excited and it's probably because i also love to eat a lot and that is mushrooms and specifically uh the morels right everybody talks about the morels but uh the article that you talked that you uh wrote was that hey don't give up on the other mushrooms too because there's plenty of other things uh, other mushrooms out in the woods that are edible that uh that you can eat as well. Absolutely. So why don't we just start with the main one, right? And I, I just want to talk about the morels first because it is the most popular and that's what I grew up uh, going and looking for. Um, is there a science to finding mushrooms in the woods? Well, I, there is kind of a, there's an art to it. I'd say more than a science. Um, you know, morels of everybody has their own theory about morels, you know, where they grow, how they grow, when they pop, um, you know, and everybody has their own experiences to judge on that. But, you know, what it all comes down to is it still is, you know, still populated by a spore and wherever that spore lands, as long as it's the right conditions for the mushroom, it grows, you know? So, I mean, sometimes it's oak trees, sometimes it's elm trees, sometimes it's maple trees. I've found them under cedar trees. I've found them in the middle of a gravel road before, you know, it's just, there's no, Whatever the conditions are right for it, I mean, that's where the fungus is going to grow. Gotcha. Because, you know, when I first started really looking for mushrooms, you get all these people who have been 
uh, mushroom hunting for years and you're like, yeah, you need to look under a dead elm tree by the stump on the northwest side on a Tuesday <laughs> when it's 61 and a half degrees outside and that's where you're going to find the mushrooms. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, there is some science to it. You know, I mean, the, you do have to have a certain ground temperature and, you know, there has to be moisture levels and, and the organic matter has to be, you know, certain pH and whatnot. But, um, you know, nobody's going to go out and, you know, take a thermometer out and test the soil temp. I mean, you know, everybody has their own theories about, you know, when uh, certain flowers bloom or certain trees start blooming, you know, that's when the mushrooms will pop. And there is some, you know, reliancy on that. Um, but uh, for the most part, I mean, everything changes so yeah be be a little bit more specific on that because i think knowing the details of even even if some of these are 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 rumored you know some of these rumors have some i guess there's there's some facts along with them that may help us go out and find like morels specifically sure sure, sure. you know i don't even go out looking until i start seeing uh, the wild plum trees bloom you know the wild plum trees are usually you know just a, a small tree in the ditch with white flowers on it um you know uh, lilac bushes are another one you know when the buds start forming real heavy on lilac bushes um that's a good sign if your red bud trees are blooming the mushrooms have probably been out for a week or so um you know and, and again there's no hard fast rule to that it, it just it changes and it varies you know um you know if the property you look at is all a north facing slope then you know the mushrooms are going to be later if it's south facing then it's going to be a little sooner you know so um but you know personally i start looking for you know some of them white plum trees blooming that's about the time i go out and look gotcha now does that coincide with let's say like an average temperature or an because you mentioned ground uh, temperature and i heard you know through the grapevine i don't know like reading some kind of document saying that morel mushrooms will grow when the soil temperature is like 54 degrees right i've read that same information so um, yeah so when you look at any kind of plant i mean they're all looking at light day light hour days and soil temperatures you know and so depending on the plant or tree um, you know they both vary you know tulips of course they need a certain ground temp and it's very very low um, you know when they start going um same with uh, daffodils I mean, that the ground, the frost is barely out of the ground, and, you know, and daffodils and tulips start coming up. Um, you know, trees, it's a little bit different. You know, I do uh, maple syrup in the, in the wintertime as, as well, you know. So, um, you know, the, as soon as that ground gets above freezing, you know, you don't have very many, many more days of, uh, of making syrup left. So, um, yeah, it just – there's lots of variables to it, and there is a science behind it. But, um, but yeah, soil temp and light days is the two biggest factors. Gotcha. Have, cause I got a, I got a buddy who has this two track, um, down the side of it, uh, this place where he used to live. He doesn't live there anymore, but it was the West side of a, of this two track on a slope, a lot of moisture, a lot of dead, uh, like old stumps that had been cut down. You know, they, they went through and logged to the property, you know, many years ago. And these, these old stumps had started decomposing and whatnot. And, that entire face of that two track was just littered. We would go and we'd pull a five gallon bucket two days, three days in a row of, of, uh, morels. Now, oh, wow. and it just like one of those spots, right? One of those spots that people just covet, you know, they don't, it's like they would rather tell you where a Boone and Crockett deer is living than they would tell you for their best mushroom. <laughs> hole. You know what I mean? Yep. 
Yeah, not to one up you or anything, but uh, I remember one year, it was back in the early 2000s, uh, I was stuck at work, and some of the guys I worked with decided to go out crop fishing on the Mississippi River. Yeah. And uh, they called and asked if I had any trash bags. Like, no, I, I ain't got any trash bags here. Why? It's like, well, we found some mushrooms. We're like, you found enough mushrooms, you need trash bags? <laughs> and, uh, not the half of it because we'll be there in a few hours right so they came back they had an 18 foot john boat the john boat was full wow it was i've never seen the likes of i don't know how many hundreds of pounds of morels these four guys found but it was ridiculous i mean they literally filled up five 55 gallon trash bags full of mushrooms that they found on one of these islands My i mean it was just insane you know after the river had been high for a couple of years and the first year it was down it was just they said they they, they couldn't believe it they left mushrooms yeah yeah that's it nuts so i've never seen so many in one place in my life so they sold some they gave away i don't know how many they gave away but yeah i mean just, but uh but yeah so so they're out there they you know the mythical unicorn so that's right so when it comes to i guess a day i know you've mentioned kind of a time when you see a specific uh, plant start to bloom is when you like to go out but are there any conditions uh that really scream now is the day to go out and start looking for mushrooms um if i get two or three nights in a row where it's above 50 degrees um and the trees are are budding um you know so like this week um here in southern iowa and northern missouri i'm, I'm probably gonna start looking uh, midweek late week yeah um for both grays and you know and some other mushrooms so and a lot of times you just never know until you get out in the woods too um you know, so I'll be looking specifically for oyster mushrooms um, and see if the pheasant backs have started up yet and, and starting to grow yet. So, um, but yeah, this week is going to be prime for me to start looking next week for sure. Gotcha. Okay. But the nighttime temps above 50, that's what's, that's what's key is uh, you get enough temps at night above 50 and that's going to really warm that ground up. Gotcha. Gotcha. So warm, warmer nights throughout, you know, above 50. Um, is there any particular place? that you look now um you've you've mentioned you found them anywhere but if uh, a guy's listening to this podcast and he's never been mushroom hunting before where are some spots that i don't know that seem to be automatic for you where you'll pop into the timber or wherever and you've and you'll find a, a good mess of them you know kind of like we said before everybody's got their own theories you know elm trees and oak trees and north faces and all this other stuff and and to be honest i have never been able to put together a set of criteria where you know this is your highest chance of finding you know right. so if i'm gonna tell somebody that you know you want to go mushroom hunting i was like well make sure there's ground moisture and go walk in the woods you know because <laughs> it just depends on the year you know there's right. years that um i have a buddy that's you know is an avid mushroom hunter and he's a far better mushroom hunter than i ever will be um you know and sometimes they're under oak trees sometimes it's elm trees sometimes it's maple trees um you know sometimes it's under i'd find them on cedar trees on the on the edge of a road before there's just no rhyme or reason to it it's just having to go out there and, and find them and i find that more than anything is just having spots where they have grown um you know and looking in those same areas you know uh, morels are like any other mushroom you know in order for them to reproduce they have to you know have to have full mushrooms that grow dry up die and then spread those spores you yeah. know so mushrooms aren't going to pop up you know just willy-nilly they have to have a spore you know that's going to fall in the right place so right you know finding your own spots and i mean that's why they're so closely guarded you know a secret you know and they'd rather give up boone and crockett spots in their mushroom spots because i mean once mushrooms are produced in an area the likelihood of them 
producing there again is quite high. Okay. So I've, you get all these rumors, right? Or you hear these things, you know, similar to, you know, where and when to find, uh, you know, find these mushrooms, but at the same time, how to pick them. Right. Um, I was under the assumption that you just grab it and you pull it out of the dirt and then you clean it up later. But I've also heard that you don't want to pull the mushroom all the way out of the dirt. You want to cut it and leave some of that other, you know, some of the mushroom there so that it has the chance to reproduce again. Is, is there any truth or, or fiction to that? Well, again, I'm not, I, I, I can't even pronounce the word, but you know, a mushroom expert, but you know, for instance, morels, um, morels are not going to reproduce if you pull the main part of the mushroom. If you leave a stem, the spores don't come from the stem. The, the spores come from the, I call it the Swiss cheese part or the honeycomb part of the right. mushroom. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the other mushrooms, you know, have gills on the underside of them. That's where the spores come from on those. Um, puffball mushrooms, you know, they're one big spore. You know, they're just spores all over them. So, um, but, you know, so you, again, it's just kind of a theory. But, you know, as far as morel goes, if you leave part of it, I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever. Gotcha. Again, it's to take one spore to grow one mushroom. Um, and, you know, pulling the whole thing or pulling part of it is not going to change that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So morels, right? I mean, they're the most popular. But why don't we just start talking a little bit um, one at a time about some of these other mushrooms that are just as tasty or, or you know, can still be used um, that are, are popping up this time of year. Um, one of my favorites is oyster mushrooms. Um, they're one of my favorites because they're easy to find. They're very easy to identify. Uh, there's not many um, similar mushrooms that are either edible or non-edible. Um, and they, they, they taste great. They really do. Um, they are almost always found on dead wood. Uh, sometimes you'll find them on the ground, but it's usually because there's some really rotten wood on, you know, on the ground or right underneath the leaf litter that you don't see. Uh, but most of the time you'll find them on uh, dead trees. I find most of them on either as uh, log jams in a creek or trees that are starting to fall in a creek or across a creek. Um, and they're kind of what's classified as a shelf mushroom. Um, so if you find an oyster mushroom, there's going to be a whole bunch of them there, you know, in kind of a, a shelf or a layered form. Um, the easiest way to identify oysters is there's there's kind of a creamy uh, color, an off-white color. They can be kind of a very pale yellow. Uh, they have gills underneath the side of them, and the gills will actually go all the way down the stem. Uh, that's the easiest way to identify them. Uh, so if you find, you know, these shelf-like mushrooms on wood with gills going all the way down the stem, um, you know, it's, you got a very high chance that they're oyster mushrooms. Gotcha. And are those about the size of, I don't know, if you were to touch your finger to your thumb, and I know that's that's relative based on how big your hand is, but, you know, the size of a, a big like 50 cent piece? Uh, no, they'll be bigger than that. Um, you'll find some about the size of a coffee cup, sometimes about the size of a, you know, maybe five or six inches across even, but I'd say most of them are about the size, you know, as big around as a, as a pop can or a soda can. Gotcha. So those grow on trees. Yes. You'll always find those on wood. Okay. On wood. All right. So, um, once you find them, how do you know that they're good for the picking? Um, if you find them, they're good. Um, okay. You know, if they look fresh, if they feel fresh, um, they're good. If they kind of feel dry or rubbery or just look like they're 
been there a while, then they're they're probably not fit to eat. Uh, they may still be edible, but I mean, there's really no point in it. Um, gotcha. Okay. They're pretty easy to, to distinguish. All right. So how you know once you pick them, uh, how do you cook them? Uh, my favorite for those is just fried in a very very light tempura batter. Uh, you can find recipes online. It's it's basically uh, just a little bit of egg, flour, and water and salt. Uh, about it um, just make it a really really runny batter it will barely barely cover the mushroom uh, and just you know flash fry them um, you can also cut them up and saute them they go great vegetables uh, they go really good in soups uh, they're a very very mild flavored mushroom um, have uh, maybe just a little bit more flavor than you know your common white button mushroom that you'll find in the store gotcha um, but, uh, so that bat you make that batter and then you put some tempura on it and then that gets it crispy yeah the batter is the tempura batter oh, gotcha. called. So, okay. yeah yeah so if you ever go to like a, an oriental restaurant uh, you know or you know a japanese restaurant and they'll fry vegetables yep. in that batter yep. or fry shrimp in that batter that's what it is it's just a very thin you know flour egg batter gotcha okay and uh and that's your favorite way to cook them yep okay cool all right so that was the oyster mushroom what's the next one you're looking for uh, another one is pheasant back. Um, so this, again, is another shelf mushroom. Um, it can get very, very large. Uh, sometimes it'll be just one. Sometimes there'll be a few of them, you know, all in the same group. Um, I've seen them as big as 12 or 14 inches across before. Um, the thing with pheasant backs, uh, they, the, it's also called Driot's saddle. Um, the reason they call them a pheasant back, when you look at them, there's kind of, they're kind of a pale a pale white, pale yellow color, but they'll have little spots of brown in them that kind of look like a feather, and it'll be all over it. Okay. Um, so they they kind of shape like a funnel, is where the you know the you know the fan that comes out, and then as it gets to the tree to the stem, it kind of funnels down into that area. Um, the undersides are different from the oyster. Uh, the oyster will have uh, fins underneath. The pheasant back is going to have just holes in it, um, kind of a porous mushroom. Um, so the bigger these get, the tougher they get. So if you can find them where they're less than six inches across, uh, those are going to be your, your best ones to eat. You can't eat the bigger ones. They're just going to be a little tougher. Um, you know, you can cut them a little thinner and cook them longer if you want. Um, but the, the smaller ones are are definitely the ones that you want to eat. Gotcha. And uh, other than that, do these look like the oyster uh, mushrooms but are just bigger and less condensed? instead of having a whole bunch of them there's just no yeah the only similarity between the two is that they're both shelf mushrooms gotcha um so the oyster mushroom the easiest way to distinguish these is get a guide um you know to tell the difference to see the pictures and you know have descriptions in there that you can match them with you know so for me trying to tell somebody what they look like is a little more difficult but um you know an oyster mushroom is going to have kind of like a lip on the outside edge where it kind of goes down um, and kind of hides the gills. Uh, a pheasant back um, is going to just be a straight-out, rigid shelf mushroom. Um, they'll still be flexible, kind of like a, a thick piece of leather. Uh, it's kind of the texture they'll have. Um, and you can just cut these off right of the tree and um, and just wash them up. And uh, best way I like to eat these is just is slice them kind of thin, and you can saute them with onions and serve them over steak. Or, again, you can put them in soups. Um, I have fried them up before with batter. I just don't care for them as much that way. Um, they taste similar to a portobello mushroom. Okay. Um, maybe just a little bit more of that wild flavor to them. 
um, and the texture. And like I said before, the bigger they get, the leather, leather, more leather-like they get. Gotcha. Okay. So the smaller ones are definitely better. Perfect. All right. What's the next one? Um, Combs tooth uh, is one of my favorites. It's also one of the hardest ones to find. Um, this is a white mushroom, and if you've ever seen uh, coral reef, that's what it reminds me of. Um, it's very, very soft, very, very delicate. It looks like white coral and almost has like white hairs that will hang down off of it, um, you know, from like a quarter to three quarters of an inch long. Um, you'll find these in very, very wet bottomland areas, uh, again, on wood. Uh, they're very easily distinguishable, um, especially if you can match them up with a picture. Um, I wish I could find more of them, but I just, just haven't been able to. But these, again, I like them fried up in tempura batter, and they almost taste like crab meat. I don't know oh, how else wow. to describe it, but they really are fantastic. Really? Wow. That's uh, Is that also a shelf mushroom? No. Um, I, I believe, I don't have the book in front of me, I believe it's classified as a bearded mushroom because it has those hairs on it. There's several other mushrooms that, that are similar. Um, there's like a lion's mane and comb's tooth, and, and there's a couple other that I'm not familiar with. Um, I can't remember the names of, but they're all in that same class, so gotcha. they are not a shelf mushroom. Okay, so how big do, do does that particular mushroom get to where? I mean, it, does it stand out, or is it is it smaller because you got to look harder for it? Um, it stands out because it's just it's blaringly white. I mean, it's snow white, um, and they'll be the size of your thumb, and they can get as big as your fist. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on the conditions and you know, in the area you're in. Gotcha. And do they kind of gather like some of these other mushrooms do, or are they more few and far between? I've only found them one at a time. Um, I had one year, probably four or five years ago where I found four and I found them all within about a 20 foot area, um, on different trees. And, uh, and then there's other times I'll find one in that same spot, uh, you know, on any given year. And, and, you know, there's another year I couldn't find any. So um, they're they're a lot harder to find. Gotcha. Gotcha. But they are one of your favorites. Yes, they are. I, yeah, I'm always looking for them and uh, hoping I find them. But it's a treasure when you do. Right, right. All right, what's the next one? Um, those are the three main ones that I'm looking for, you know, besides morels. Yep. Um, they're uh, chanterelles, the, probably the, one of the last you know, the top four that I look for, uh, chanterelles are going to look a lot like an oyster, except they're going to grow on the ground. Uh, usually where there is some rotten wood, sometimes you'll find them on rotten trees as well. They look a lot like an oyster mushroom, uh, but they're bright yellow. Gotcha. Um, and they're kind of a wavy, um, wavy potato chips. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but uh, they're very soft textured uh, and blaringly yellow. Uh, the key with these is, is to make sure that you are not picking jack-o'-lantern mushrooms. Okay. Um, jack-o'-lantern mushrooms are blaringly orange. They are usually in large groups on the ground. Sometimes there'll be hundreds of them in one spot and they are one of the, one of the highly poisonous mushrooms out there. Um, <laughs> that so, was... but chanterelles are awesome. And, and once you have a book and once you see pictures of each one, you can, it's very easy to, to distinguish which one it is. Right. Um, the chanterelles are, are very very good and that was going to be one of my other questions was is there a group of mushrooms and it sounds like this jack-o'-lantern mushrooms is one of them that we need to really stay away from or maybe 
uh, here's a here's a mushroom that also looks like another mushroom, but it's not, and it has the potential to make you sick. Um, surprisingly, not. There are vastly more edible mushrooms in the Midwest than there are non-edibles. Um, I'd say the you know the cat style mushroom. This is the traditional mushroom with a stem and a cap on it. You know, there's more of those that are non-edible than anything. Uh, and this is where getting you a guide, you know, a physical in your hands guide with pictures and descriptions is going to help you, you know, know what you have in front of you. Right. Um, there's several other online that you can find. Um, the one that I like the best is actually put out by the Missouri Department of Conservation. Uh, and they will send you a pamphlet, um, pamphlet, a handbook, you know, of all these mushrooms. I can believe they send it out for free. Right. Um, and they also have it online on their website as well. And so I always keep that on my phone and I have that book in the truck with me. Um, and that's the easiest way to distinguish. But uh, out of all the mushrooms that I've come across, I've only found two. You know, one was a jack-o'-lantern that I knew was uh, non-edible. And there's been a couple others that was questionable that I really couldn't find a good description of. So I just left them. Right. Um, right. You know. Now. So, uh, one other mushroom, too, that I, I'm always looking for. It's not usually around in the spring. It's usually a fall mushroom is a chicken of the woods. That's the one I was just going to ask you about. <clears throat> so. I've had trouble recently finding these. I used to find them all the time and I didn't know what they were. So I left them. And then when I figured out what they were, I couldn't believe that I left all these things. Um, most of the time you will find these growing underneath oak trees. Uh, that's what they like. Uh, they can get very, very large, sometimes 25, 30 pounds. Um, they, I don't know how to describe the look of these, except they just kind of look like the oyster mushrooms and just one big group, you know, kind of like bouquet. if you took a, like a bouquet yeah if you took a head of cabbage and cut it in half and set it on the ground you know with all the leaves sticking up that's you know kind of what it would look like right. um, i don't know how else to describe it but um but they they're kind of a brownish color uh, kind of a, uh, they can be a pale yellow as well um and they're very very good uh, these are mushrooms that some um, especially restaurants especially japanese restaurants will will pay pretty good money for if you can find them um, I've seen them as high as twenty five or thirty dollars a pound. Wow. Um, yeah, I uh, so I, I found uh, one of those bouquets of the was it the chicken or the hen of the woods? What's it called? Well, they're they're both. Yeah, both, there's yeah. there's a couple different types, but they're all very similar. Yeah. So uh, I found one uh, last year, I believe it was. Um, oh, good for you. And I didn't know what it was, so I took a picture and I do what most people do. You you place it on Instagram and you say, can I eat this? And, you know, most people said, yeah, yes, definitely you can eat it. But that, the one that I picked was past its prime. It was really dry. Oh, and, sure. um, so wasn't much I could do there, but now I know what to look for and when to look for it because man, I tell you what, I love being able to go into the woods and, you know, pick food whether it's berries Absolutely. or, you know, and then place that with a, you know, place the mushrooms that you find with the turkey that you just killed. I remember it wasn't last year, but two years ago, I think it was, might've been, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but it was turkey season and mushroom all happened at the same week. And it just fell. And usually all coincides with the crappie spawn too. <laughs> right, right. So we were busy. We were busy that week. I mean, we were hunting, and then when the turkeys shut up, we would go look for mushrooms, and we were finding mushrooms, and it was awesome. 
Uh, and then, you know, you kill the turkey, you, you know, grill up the breast and have uh, mushrooms with it and, or, you know, some bluegill or some uh, crappie. And next thing you know, you're full and you're f- taking a nap. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so is there anything else uh, as far as, you know, whether it's picking mushrooms, looking for them, grilling them or, or cooking them that, uh, that you'd like to share? Tips, tricks, tactics? You know what, the best thing, if people's interested in this and they, and they you know, like mushrooms and, you know, and like finding, you know, bounty in the woods is just, you know, take a bucket, go out in the woods and start walking around. If you find a mushroom, pick it, take it to the house, you know, where you can look it up with your phone, you know, get you one of these little um, handbooks and, you know, and see what you got and just experiment with it, um, you know, and, and cook them up. I, I can't emphasize enough, don't eat a mushroom without making sure you know what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, while the chances are low that you will pick a poisonous mushroom and eat it, you still need to check because they can, they can hurt you and even kill you. You know, if you if you find the wrong ones, you know, and those those jack o' lanterns is, is a prime example of it. Um, you know, so big orange mushrooms, you know, just be cautious of them. <laughs> um, but they're out there, and people walk over them all the time. Um, so you know, take advantage of what the woods have out, offer out there, and you know, and learn something in the process. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Dan Turner, short and sweet podcast about mushrooms, man. I love it. Thank you for your time. Yep. Good talk to you again. Just want to say thank you very much, Mr. Dan Turner, for hopping on the podcast again. Um, Not much to say in closing here. Again, visit iowasportsman.com. Take a look at the digital articles uh, as well as get the magazine because there's a ton of great info in the magazine as well subscribe to the podcast uh, join us on social facebook and soon to be instagram other than that i hope everybody finds success in the turkey woods finds some mushrooms this spring finds luck on the water good luck to whatever it is that you're doing and we'll talk to you next week